Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. In today's episode, I want to talk about emotional regulation. And in order to help our children achieve emotional regulation, we have to have emotional regulation. And honestly, if I think about the comments that parents give me and the questions that parents um, most often ask, it's usually around their own self-regulation. How do I stay calm? How do I not lose it? Um, how do I stay patient? How do I not snap? How do I not yell? So this episode is really about self-regulation, the building blocks of being able to process emotions, do it in a way that um, is predictable and relatively calm, and then model that for our kids. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. So let's talk about emotions for a moment. And, and for those of you who listen to both of my podcasts, you'll, you'll know that I talk about how important it is to understand that emotions are just information. It's just information. It's just your body trying to communicate information to you. And those emotions and those messages, that information will continuously be sent to you. And if you don't listen, First, it will tap on the door. Then your emotions will knock on the door. Then they will pound on the door. Then they will kick the door. Then they will try to kick the door down. As we try to ignore or move away or deflect or blame or drink something, smoke something, buy something to not feel what we are feeling, the more our emotions keep sending the signal and the louder and the more intense that signal becomes. And this is a really important thing when we talk about emotional literacy and good um, emotional processing is helping our kids understand that emotions are really important. And in order um, to function well as a human being, we need to listen and feel our feelings, not run away from our feelings. The other thing that's really important about emotions is to understand where their emotions, where those emotions are coming from. So again, you've heard me speak about this before, but you've got your frontal lobe. The part and the role of the frontal lobe is to inhibit, motivate, organize, prioritize, shift attention, take perspective, wait for things, um, you know, sort of put things into prioritizing what's important, what's not, uh, putting yourself into someone else's shoes. And all that is higher order thinking. It is very, very complex. It takes a very long time to grow a brain that can do that. And many, many adults struggle with doing that. But it's a really important thing to model for our kids and to ultimately teach our kids. Then we've got the midbrain. That's the part of the brain that's in charge of security and safety. And it just wants you to stay alive. It doesn't care what's going on. It assumes that it's dangerous. Um, and it sort of shuts down the frontal lobe, takes over, and now you're in fight, flight, or freeze. So now you are reacting to your environment instead of responding to your environment. 
And if you've had past trauma or if you've been at an elevated state for quite a while, it takes smaller and smaller things, smaller and smaller triggers or signals to send you in to fight or flight. But being able to model uh, the ability to toggle between emotions, to start getting upset and have the skills to bring ourselves down to another level um, is a really important skill for us to have as healthy adults. It's essential for mental health and it's critical for our kids. So um, many parents say to me, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to stay calm. I don't know how to not lose it. I don't know how to just snap. It's so hard. It's so incredibly difficult. So our kids are always watching us. They're always paying attention and they're always learning and we are always teaching whether we like it or not. So when we snap and we lose it and we react and we sort of go right into fight, flight or freeze, our kids are watching and they're looking at us going, well, she's 45 and she can't do it. So I'm four. What chance do I have of being able to do this? So it's really important to show kids that it's possible. The other thing that's critical is to remember if it's difficult for them to stop in mid yell or mid freak out, um, imagine um, how difficult that is for him. It would be impossible for us to stop in mid freak out. If someone just came over and said, stop that, cut it out. And we're right in the middle of losing it. It's very, very difficult. So keeping in mind that children feel everything that we feel. And just because they're little doesn't mean the feelings are any less intense or any less overwhelming than they are for us. So in this podcast, I really want to talk about some tools, some practical skills that we can use that can actually help us to stay calm. Now, the calm technique is actually really critical, and that's a foundation skill for connected parenting. So if you want to know more about that, go back to the first um, two or three uh, episodes of the podcast for more information on that. And also you can deep dive in that in our online parenting courses in our online parenting community, but go back for that. Um, but in order to do that, there's a step before that you have to ground yourself in a state of calm. You have to, um, approach your child uh, or your teenager from a place of love. And to do that, you have to be centered and you have to be in a state of kind of heart brain coherence. So how can we do that? Here's a few tools that I want you to practice. First of all, when we go to sleep at night, what often happens for us as parents is we reflect on our day and we think about all the things that didn't go well and all the things that uh, didn't happen and all of the moments that we blew and we're, you know, we start talking, thinking about our kids and you know, where are their failings and how are they ever going to manage in this life and what's going to happen to them when we're older. And you can end up with such a pit in your stomach that you cannot sleep. So first things first, emotions are information. So first we have to honor that feeling. So one of my favorite techniques, and I use this all the time, is I put the palm of my hand right over my heart. I go right into those feelings and I out loud talk to myself and I say, okay, this is how it feels to be a mom who loves her kids, who wants the best for them, or a dad who feels like he wants to just do everything for his kids. These feelings in my body feel awful, but it's because I love them and I want them to be successful. And this is how it feels to feel like I'm failing or forgetting things or not doing a good enough job. And in our bodies that are really ancient um, monkey bodies that are just here to 
freak out and feel and stay safe. We've got all of these complex emotions that we're trying to regulate and organize in these bodies. And it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to go there. And when you do, you might cry, but you will find after a few moments, you will metabolize, you will alchemize those feelings. And you'll know because you'll start to think about something else and you'll go, Oh, that's weird. I'm now thinking about something else. Um, and that's how, you know, you've actually read the disc. You've actually paid attention to that information, which is all your body really wants. And you start to calm down after that. Now you use the tool of visualizing. So instead of lying there in bed, thinking about all the things that went wrong, which actually gets your midbrain lit up, sends out cortisol and adrenaline, um, your brain, your, your midbrain cannot tell the difference between something that's happening, something that you're remembering. Um, it's the same thing to your midbrain. It's all the same thing. So if you're worrying about it, it's happening all over again. And you are now sending out those biochemicals that increase the stress response in your body, that downgrade your immune system, um, and, and, and you start the cycle again. So after you've honored your feelings, now you start to take control of the wheel. Now you're like, okay, I'm going to think about the things that I want, not the things that I don't want. And if that's too big of a leap, then think about the things during that day that actually went well. Okay. That was kind of cute. And it was nice when my child did that and I wasn't expecting this and this happened. And if you can't think of any, then imagine the ones you would like to see and then pay attention to how your body feels. Remember the midbrain can't tell the difference. This is a brain hack. It's going to think this is a memory or that it's already happened. So it will increase the chances that your subconscious mind will set you up for success the next day and look for those things. The reticular activation system in your brain is the part of the brain that tags things and what you believe and what you're sure is going to happen. And what, of course they're going to do this because they always do. Now it's tagged. Your brain is going to look for those things and it's going to see those things, but it's going to miss the things that you actually want. The times when your child actually did listen or was kind of cute or didn't make a fuss. Now, subconsciously, we're going to set the stage for your brain to notice those things the next day. And the other thing that's really important is to try and really feel the feeling of how it feels to feel comfortable and happy and proud of your child and excited for things that your child is doing. Let your body feel that. This is all great cognitive rehearsal. So the next day it will control your micro expressions and your facial, your bigger facial expressions and your body language and everything else that can set the tone. So when your child walks in and you're, you're transmitting a message, I know how this is going to go. I'm ready for you. Your child goes, Oh, okay. I can do that. So you're really actually changing the operating system in your brain. So those are two really important things that you can do. One of my favorite techniques I call toggling. And this is where you watch a movie or maybe you're reading a really exciting part in a book or you're listening to an exciting conversation. And as your body starts to get nervous, so think about a scene in a TV show. You're watching a really great series and it's, it's starting to elevate and you know something's going to happen and the music is changing and the facial expressions of the actors is changing and your body, again, cannot tell the difference between something that it's watching and something that's really happening and your uh, safety system, your fight flight mechanism starts to kick in. As that happens, practice 
folding inward, like turn inward, turn your attention inward into the center of your body. Like you're hiding under a blanket right into the center of your body and, and drop your tongue in the bottom of your mouth and let your stomach relax. See if you can practice going from a heightened state to a calm state while you're watching your TV show and practice that every night while you're watching it. A, it makes it a little more pleasant because those, those emotions are kind of fun because it makes the show interesting. But if they're too intense and you're already intense to begin with, that's going to be an extra load for your brain and for your body, body biochemically and neurologically. So practice calming down. Do it every single night while you're watching your show and watch what happens. Over a few weeks, you will start building neuro pathways that actually help you on demand relax and calm down your body. And you're just practicing with a TV show. And what you'll find is that you will be able to start doing that in real life as well. So when the phone rings from the school and you're like, oh my God, what is it? You're like, mm. you've got this opposite response where you calm yourself right down. So you're in a completely different emotional state when you answer the phone and watch. And I'd love to hear from people. Send me messages because that when I do this with my clients, it's pretty unbelievable. It doesn't take as long as you think to be able to toggle. Now you can also toggle in your imaginations. So you can imagine something that's really exciting and feel that. And then you can imagine a time when you were not so happy and feel that. And you can flip back to another time when you feel good and practice shifting and moving, practice your emotional flexibility, moving from one state to another. People don't realize this is a practice. This is something you can actually do. You are the feeler of your feelings. You don't have to be the passive victim of your feelings. You're in charge. You are the boss. You are the, the CEO of 50 trillion nuclear cells. That's what you are. You get to decide how you move through your life and the feelings that you want to feel as you are moving through your life. And don't teach your kids this yet. Get good at this yourself. Let them see it in action. Let them see you start to escalate. And they're going to go, no, you know what? I got this. I'm calm. And that is great teaching. That is great learning. Breathing. Obviously, we all hear about how deep breathing and, you know, four, five, six breathing or like deep belly breathing can really help you. And it absolutely can. It's incredibly helpful. But there's one little tweak I'd like to make about breathing that's important. When we take a big breath in, that's usually a signal to our brain that something's about to happen, that we need that big breath of air to run away or to fight something or to take action of some kind. What I'd like you to try when you're feeling stretched is actually breathe out a big sigh breath, like, like you just found something that you'd lost, or you thought you dropped something, you dropped your phone in the toilet and you didn't that feeling of, Oh, thank goodness that breathing, that sigh breathing, that, that reflex of like, oh, thank goodness is a really important signal to the brain. That sends a very, very powerful signal that you are not in trouble, that you can actually relax. So before you do your deep breathing, do a nice sigh breath first, and then take your deep breath in for a count of six, hold it for a count of seven, breathe out for a count of eight. And doing it with your belly is actually really important. Um, I've already mentioned this, but dropping your tongue, sort of relaxing your tongue in the bottom of your mouth. If you do that, you'll notice that your stomach relaxes, especially if you consciously relax your jaw and drop your shoulders. All of these uh, movements send a signal to your body 
that you're not in danger. And for a lot of us who are very anxious and who aren't aware of how anxious we are, we're actually holding tension in our body or in our chest or in our jaw um, all day long in our neck without even realizing it. So checking in with yourself a few times a day and thinking, hmm, a 10 is like super panicky. A zero is I'm totally calm. Where am I? I'm at a seven. What am I doing at a seven? How am I going to pick up my kids from school at a seven? <laughs> Not going to work. So I'm going to do something to get myself down to a lower number. A uh, really, really simple thing to do um, is music. So put your headphones in um, and play either uh, on YouTube. There's a whole selection of music that is uh, frequency music for anxiety uh, for calming you down, for helping you focus, for lifting mood, for lifting serotonin levels. Emotions are frequencies. So is music. So is sound. So is color. We are, it's all about frequency really. And emotions are just learning how to control frequency. Just sort of think about your body and your brain as an instrument, a musical instrument that you learn to play. You are the player of that instrument. And what notes do you want to be on? Um, and just like musical notes, the highest notes, exhilaration, excitement, joy, happiness are very, very high frequencies. I think about 700 Hertz, um, and the lower frequencies, um, just like a sad kind of musical note. And when you're in a really sad part in a movie, the music will reflect that and it will vibrate with your body and help you to feel what you need to be feeling in the film. Um, and the lowest notes are, are guilt and shame. Those are actually the lowest, lowest vibrational frequencies for emotions. And they're actually um, feel horrible in your body um, and have uh, the lowest amount of energy to them. Even anger has a higher frequency because you at least want to fight back. You at least want to do something. Anxiety doesn't feel good either, but that's a slightly higher vibration because you at least want to run or hide or something. So really starting to think about your body and your brain as an instrument and have these conversations with your kids. Um, so listening to music, and it's not, I mean, you have to sort of listen to different ones on YouTube and find music that you actually enjoy, but it's not the music that's so relevant. It's the tone. There's a tone in the background of this music that's playing and helps your brain to resonate with a frequency that actually makes you feel better. Um, so Put music in the background. And if you don't want to use frequency music, use Google or, or go to YouTube and pick uh, best inspirational movie music. And while you're going for a walk, when you're trying to change your mood, you're going for a walk with the dog, or you've just dropped your kids off at school and you're driving home, put inspirational movie music on and watch what happens. Watch how you feel. And on your drive home or on your walk, Start with your eyes looking for things that are beautiful. I love that tree. I love the colors on the leaves. That's a beautiful cloud formation. What a cute baby. Um, I love the sound of the birds. Actually take your brain from the internal dialogue that we often have where we turn on ourselves and start thinking about what we have to be doing and what's next and what haven't I done? And, oh my God, I have to do this. And now, you're, now your body chemistry is changing. Your adrenaline is rising, your cortisol is rising and nothing's happening. You're not anywhere. You're just in your own head. Take yourself out of your head and into your environment. What is beautiful? What smells nice? What, what am I hearing that sounds wonderful? And do that just as a special assistance to help you shift your mood more easily. Gratitude. Now, this is a really important one. And we hear about this a lot. And gratitude is also a vibration. 
Um, it's a very important feeling because it helps us to shift. It helps us take different perspective that even taking a moment in the day when you're running around and you didn't get a parking spot and you're in a hurry because you got to pick up your kid and you just had an unpleasant conversation with your sibling or your husband. Um, when you're in that vibration, you're not going to feel very good. Your body won't know the difference between, you know, something that's really traumatic and something that, that could be really traumatic and something that's actually you're just thinking about. Take a minute to go, okay, you know what? All these things are annoying. But if I really think about it, how many people on the planet right now would trade places with me for this to be their worst problem? All of these everyday, normal, everyday annoyances are a privilege because um, in my life right now, if you're lucky enough, no one is dying. You still have your house. Um, your kids are healthy. If you have those things, those little worries, those everyday annoying things that we over-process in our head are privileges. It could so easily flip. Even having those simple things to worry about means the rest of your life is going pretty okay. Um, it's, this is really difficult when other people do this for you. And a lot of us who feel really, who are very sensitive will instantly feel guilty. Well, now I don't have a right to feel this way. Of course you do. You go into those emotions, you feel them. And then you use your frontal lobe to help you pan back, to widen that lens, to see the bigger picture. And you can do this out loud in front of your kids. You don't do it to your kids, um, but do it out loud. You know what? I just spent 10 minutes feeling really sad. A bunch of things didn't go that well today. Um, but you know what? This is going well. And this is going well. And the very fact that I'm worrying about this means all these other things are going well and I'm going to be okay beautiful piece of modeling for your child, really good piece of emotional flexibility. You're really working that emotional muscle in your own brain. Um, the final thing that I want to focus on just for a moment is the calm technique. Use the calm technique on yourself as if you were your own best friend. Um, we're very hard on ourselves. We hold ourselves to a very high standard. I should know better. I should do better. It's my fault. It's my fault that my kid's acting this way. Take a moment and show an enormous amount of love and empathy for yourself. Use the calm technique on yourself and then you can set goals and then you can decide what you want to achieve later in the day. And then you can hold yourself to a higher standard and try to do better the next time. But starting with um, great love and empathy for yourself is actually really, really important. Um, and I just thought of one other tiny thing. Um, back to the other technique where I talked about going inward into your feelings. You know, if sadness is the dominant thing you're feeling, or if fear is the dominant thing that you're feeling, really um, go towards it. Imagine your fear, let's say, is some kind of, I don't know, funny little monster. Or, or give, give it a shape. Give it something that your brain can actually recognize. These are all neural hacks. Um, and actually imagine that it's really big. It's like hovering over you and you're, you're, you're sending it love. You're saying, you know what, fear? Thank you. I love you. You are so feisty and you always come roaring out for me and you never give up. And you are always there 100% of the time you come out and you show up with full force. And I love you for that. I really, really do but I don't need you right now. This is not one of those situations that you need to come out full force. This is not an emergency. 
I'm just having a bad moment, right? And then you actually imagine that anxiety shrinking and send it some love, send it love, appreciate it. You need it. And there may be a time in your life where it does need to come out like that, but not right now and not in this moment. Sending love and compassion and understanding to yourself, first of all, is the most important thing you can do in terms of emotional regulation. And secondly, it's the greatest gift you can give your child because you are modeling that for your child who is watching you and they are always listening. So when we're saying, oh, I'm such an idiot. Why did I do that? I'm such an idiot. I do that all the time. I hate myself. Your children are watching. They're watching. And now they're thinking, hmm. So if mom feels that way or dad feels that way about themselves, when I make a mistake, is that how they're going to feel about me? So model this beautiful love, this beautiful understanding, um, for your children so they can see that it's possible. They're always learning. We are always teaching. Also remember every day, every new day is a day to try again. If you could just do better the next day, just try again, just keep showing up, keep trying. It is not easy to be human. It is not easy to be a parent. That's for sure. And parents who listen to this podcast are often parents of gladiator kids who are just sassy and exhausting and they suck the oxygen out of the room and they can just take you sometimes to the darkest places in your soul that you didn't know were there. Um, and you need to give yourself some real love and some real understanding so that you can be present with your children, show them that emotional regulation is possible, that emotional processing is a thing. It can be done. Um, and keep trying and show up for the next episode because I, I really try every, with every episode to, to have real life problems, real life things that parents are struggling with in a real way. Remember too, there's an amazing community at Connected Parenting. We have the online parenting course, which you can either just on demand watch yourself. You own it for life, by the way. Um, it doesn't disappear after 90 days. It's yours. You keep it forever. Um, you can also, um, uh, purchase the course where you have the coaching calls with me. So once a month I'm online with families from all over the world, uh, fielding questions, offering support. And I'm pretty active in the Facebook group as well, where I answer either with video audio or written answers for families, um, to offer you support and care while you're going through this amazing journey of being a parent. There's also the role play playground. Don't forget that. That's a really uh, great place. It's a subscription program where you um, join once a month and you get four live interactions with people from the connected parenting team. I actually pop in there too sometimes. Um, and they're there to answer questions and help you practice the calm technique and support each other. Cause this is not, this is not easy. Um, and also listen to the mental health comedy podcast, which is full of more tools and strategies to help you um, build those emotional muscles and learn how to toggle and develop really strong emotional regulation skills. And we'll see you again on the next Connected Parenting podcast.